Hello and welcome back to the Blockchain.com podcast. My name is Garrick Heilman. I'm the head of research at Blockchain.com and a visiting fellow at the London School of Economics. Last week, investor Peter Thiel, a self-described pro-crypto, pro-Bitcoin maximalist, made waves when he said, quote, I do wonder whether Bitcoin should be thought of as a Chinese financial weapon against the US, unquote. The comment attracted a lot of media and online discussion. There was confusion and debate over what Thiel truly meant, and some also speculated that the comment was meant to motivate the US government into some form of action given its provocative nature and that it was made in front of a number of high-profile individuals connected to the US government, including former Secretary of State Mike Pompeo. Rather than rehash the debate over how to interpret Thiel's comment, we'll link in the show notes to a helpful article and podcast by Coindesk's Noel Acheson and NLW, respectively. Instead, I want to focus here on the question of whether or not China could use Bitcoin to gain some advantage over the U.S. In 2016, I published a blog on this question that expands on Thiel's comment when taken at face value. Now, before reading this blog, it's worth noting that a lot has changed in crypto and the broader world in the past five years. We've seen the start of a global pandemic, a U.S.-China trade war, and a massive increase in the adoption, legitimization, and enhancement of crypto assets and blockchain networks like Bitcoins. My 2016 blog also looked at an admittedly narrow financial aspect of how China might be able to gain an edge on the U.S. by embracing Bitcoin. The much broader question of whether Bitcoin and blockchain technology are a net strategic positive or negative for the U.S. and China respectively is something we'll need to address in future episodes. We'd love to hear how well you think the arguments made back in 2016 have held up in the comments section of this podcast. And if you're enjoying our podcast, please rate us and leave us a review as it really helps boost our visibility to more listeners. Thank you for listening, and we hope you enjoy this episode. Why the People's Bank of China May Consider Embracing Bitcoin published on January 28, 2016. The idea of central banks owning Bitcoins as a new reserve asset is no longer far-fetched. Indeed, a central bank recently published a research paper weighing the pros and cons of central banks holding Bitcoins in reserve, and central banks in the UK, the Netherlands, Tunisia, Ecuador, and China have all announced they're exploring creating their own Bitcoin-like digital currencies. It has been fascinating to observe Bitcoin's growth in China, which for some time now has dominated both Bitcoin exchange trading and mining. Although the reasons are not immediately obvious, the People's Bank of China may have particularly good cause to consider embracing Bitcoin. Now, before getting to the pros, one argument against Chinese authorities holding Bitcoins or encouraging the use of non-state cryptocurrencies in any way is that Bitcoin undermines Chinese capital controls. However, it is not entirely clear at present how much capital control evasion is taking place via Bitcoin, which is less anonymous than originally advertised. In other words, concerns over Bitcoin enabling capital control and tax evasion may be overblown. Regardless of whether Bitcoin actually undermines capital controls, China has made clear its intention to be a global financial power by 2020, with the renminbi taking a global reserve currency role and Shanghai serving as a global financial center. To achieve these objectives, China must reduce capital controls and embrace open financial markets as the United States and pre-Second World War Britain did. The emergence of a new reserve asset, preferably from the Chinese perspective, 
after China has had a chance to reduce its vast holdings of U.S. dollar-denominated assets, could be seen as a positive development for China and the perennial global Game of Thrones played by superpowers. First, it would dilute the status of the U.S. dollar and market for U.S. Treasury securities as the world's dominant reserve asset. And second, this in turn should diminish the Fed and Treasury's grip on the global financial system. However, why wouldn't China instead prefer to see gold, another non-nation state control but already established reserve asset, return to prominence? After all, the People's Bank of China has been discreetly acquiring gold for years. There are several reasons why gold is problematic. First, while the idea of boosting the reserve status of gold received some support following the 2008 financial crisis from then-World Bank President Bob Zolich and others, the barbarous relic and a return to anything akin to a gold standard is still largely out of favor with economists and central bankers. Further, even if gold came back into fashion, two problems remain from China's perspective. First, China's reported gold holdings still trail the U.S., Germany, IMF, and other countries by a significant margin. Second, gold is expensive with a global market capitalization of approximately $7 trillion in value. China may never catch up to the U.S. in gold holdings. Bitcoin, by comparison, is cheap, with a current market cap of approximately $6 billion. The U.S. government, which at one point was the world's largest Bitcoin holder, following the seizure of the Silk Road Dark Web marketplace, also recently liquidated its position. Perhaps more importantly, with over half of all Bitcoin mining taking place inside the Great Firewall of China, Chinese authorities can exert influence over Bitcoin and quietly acquire a large position. As Bitcoin's software code is pliable, the rules that govern how the cryptocurrency functions can be reprogrammed. In other words, wider monetary use of Bitcoin need not represent a return to the gold standard, which has been one of the chief criticisms of Bitcoin amongst economists. The exact path Bitcoin would need to take to become a new reserve asset is unclear. It seems unlikely today that the IMF, People's Bank of China, and other central banks would come together and anoint Bitcoin as a new reserve asset. Declining confidence in the monetary system combined with increased Bitcoin use would be necessary before any such change would occur. While Bitcoin's price has recently rebounded amid currency crashes and financial instability in China and elsewhere, Bitcoin still lacks a mainstream killer app. The many Bitcoin applications promoted by entrepreneurs and venture capitalists, such as cross-border remittances, micro and macro payments, empowering machine-to-machine transactions, have either failed to gain significant traction or are still several years off. By many measures, Bitcoin's advance has slowed, as interest has shifted towards non-currency applications of Bitcoin's underlying distributed ledger or blockchain technology. Given the powerful lock-in effects of established currency networks, the fact that millions of people have chosen to use Bitcoin can be considered a minor economic miracle. But how much longer can Bitcoin defy the odds? An influential member of the cryptocurrency community recently declared that Bitcoin is in a death spiral. Many cryptotarians will no doubt howl over any suggestion that state actors like the PBOC get involved with Bitcoin. But support from officials may be just what Bitcoin needs to continue its improbable journey. In addition to exploring its own digital currency, the People's Bank of China should take a close look at embracing the already existing one largely powered from within its own backyard.